Hey there, Green Future Growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon for just $26.95. And it's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own Organic Oasis um, it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay, what Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden and just um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for Mother Earth. Welcome to the Organic Gardener podcast today. I am just like, I'm so excited. I've been like, on Tuesday, I talked to um, this girl, Tara, who's a rock star millennial and is the lead hemp um, science project botany girl, uh, at the Rodale Institute. And she's just got me so excited about all the stuff that is going on in the world of hemp and different things. And so today I am going to talk to, um, from a company called a pot for pot.com. Welcome to the show, Joshua Mezer. Hi, thanks for having me, Jackie. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited you're here and I'm sorry, like maybe I should know more, but, uh, Go ahead and tell listeners just like a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so... Um, okay, I, wait, uh, first, before we even go there, are you a rock star millennial born between 1980 and 1995? You know, I escaped it by one year. Oh, funny, I'm 1979? A, I'm a 1986. 86? Oh, no, you're right in there. Between oh, there? 1980 and 1995. Sorry, did I say... Yeah, 95. Oh, I, I heard No, you're yes, right no. in there. Awesome. So uh, I'm writing yeah, a book I'm about the rock star millennials I interview on my show. So bonus. Sorry. Okay, oh. go ahead and uh, I'll be quiet. My listeners always tell me to be quiet. So from here on out, it's all you. Tell us Thanks. a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so, um, you know, I've been in the cannabis industry for uh, almost 10 years now. Uh, I actually moved from the United Kingdom to uh, go to school out here and uh, went to University of Santa Cruz and uh learned that it was a great time in the cannabis industry where you could legally grow your own cannabis at home and take it down to the local medical dispensary and exchange it and donate it to that organization. Um, and I actually dropped out of school and kind of went from a hobbyist to a uh, kind of commercial grower, I guess is what they're referred to today. Um, and yeah, I've always loved gardening and you know, it's a, an amazing plant to grow. And right now we're just sort of on a mission to uh, share it with people. Oh, I love all of this. So, but I always do kind of start out my show asking about your very first gardening experience. Like, were you a kid? Were you an adult? Who were you with? What'd you grow? Like, did you say you grew up in the UK? I did. My mom is actually a Californian and she is a fanatical gardener. Um, so as a, as a young kid, I was trudging around in the vegetable patch and helping my mom build terraces and digging up the garden and uh, 
I've always had a love for plants. I just think they're a very underrated species and they're just these amazing things. And so I definitely full credit goes uh, to my mom and everything that she taught me. And, you know, I've just uh, kind of applied that and what I've learned there and carried that love through me into, into a passion now that uh, is also, I guess, a profession. Um, but my uh, favorite plants to grow as a kid were all the vegetables. I've always sort of found flowers as nice things, but uh, I kind of like the more utilitarian based plants. Okay, well, that could not have been a more awesome answer because I'm not sure I express enough on my show that when, you know, one of the things that makes the Rockstar Millennials so great are their parents, which, you know, my husband is the father of two Rockstar Millennials and just, uh, that just makes it all the more awesome. So that kind of probably explains how you learned how to grow organically. And maybe you can introduce, maybe your mom will do an interview with me too. Oh, uh, she would love that. <laughs> oh, I would love that too. Do you want to tell us about something that grew well this year? Or um, maybe a particular yeah, so variety I, of cannabis that grew well? Like, I don't know. Wait, well, I guess if you I want to go off script here and tell us, go. Yeah, yeah. Let me, I got a little bit in cannabis. You know, I didn't actually start as an organic cannabis gardener. Um, you know, I kind of started with the hydroponic side of it. And I think that's where a lot of cannabis cultivators go because they sort of focus uh, on the production aspect of a plant. Um, so, and then it, it was a and shift I, I, well, of... Can I yeah. just say one thing? I do think that led to a lot of that was because when they all, when a lot of this was going on, there were still like, is it legal? Is it not legal? And they were growing indoors. And exactly. I think that also led to that. Um, yeah. On, so, but cool. This 100... is a great beginning. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny, the evolution of cannabis cultivation is really going through a dramatic shift right now. And you hit the nail on the head there where, you know, traditionally this plant has been grown in, in very small hidden spaces inside houses. Um, you know, like a, a cool statistic that a, a lot of people aren't aware of is, and it's kind of interesting to think of, it's like, well, how much cannabis does the United States produce and who produces it, right? Um and it's kind of the public are a little blind because they now get marketed PR by these companies and everything. And, and they sort of have this impression that there are these huge cannabis producing companies out there. But, you know, the reality is, is that this plant is still predominantly grown at home. There's a, about 11,000 tons are produced annually in the United States. And that's kind of the low end estimate. And even the largest cannabis farms, right, like the biggest of the biggest are barely hitting one to five tons in production. So it's really just, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people across the country who are growing this, you know, in their garden, in the larger scale, smaller scale. But it's really still, it's a, a plant that is spread throughout the country and just sort of doesn't get a whole lot of recognition. And one of the things we're trying to do with A Pot for a Pot is really bring the plant out of the house and out of the cupboard and try to give people that experience in their backyard. Okay, you and I could talk all day. I hope we get to meet someday. So this is why I just like I feel like your total soul stepmother from far away. Because like like I said, you're the like my stepdaughters were born in 1980 and 1984. So like right in there and just um, we believe so much because I feel like it's so unfair that people couldn't grow this in their gardens and like it has so much to offer like to the soil and for people for nutrition for for so many things. Oh. And, like, it's I used to have a hemp plan. business back in 1993, and then, like, I can't even believe I'm seeing ads now for, like, Patagonia Levi's and, like, 
or Patagonia hemp overalls and Levi hemp jeans and just, I feel like, uh, my head's going to explode. And then like, I feel like every time I go on the internet, like I get, it's been like a year and just the stuff that's on the internet today was not there a year ago. I cannot believe the growth oh, the explosion in this industry. Uh, so, and, and it's cool, right? I, okay, I think, like, I'd just like to pull it back for a second. And, and if you look at the cannabis plant, and there's a lot of misconception of, you know, cannabis, indica, sativa, hemp. And then there's another variety that I'd like to talk about a little bit later called ruderalis or autoflowering. Um, but it's, it's the original plant, right? Like we know from, you know, archaeology and, and what we've learned over the years that it was one of the first plants that humans domesticated. You know, it really started agriculture. And there's a really good reason for that. If, if you just look at it and you kind of take a step back from it and you forget about the drug side of this, you know, and, and you leave that mind altering effect and you kind of put that to the side, you, you have a plant that almost naturally grows rope. Like you, you can literally get a branch of this twisted up. And if you were in the jungle, you could throw something over your back with it. Um, and then secondly, it gives these seeds that are incredibly nutritional, like the hemp seed or the cannabis seed doesn't get anywhere near enough credit on just how healthy of, of a seed that is for humans to consume. Um, and then you have this, the other aspect of it, which is, you know, this spiritual mind altering medical effect. And, you know, it, it's to the point that like, I often kind of like to draw the parallel of um, Michael Pollan's book. And you, you look at the evolution of this plant and, it's really, it's evolved us, right? We have a whole cannabinoid system in our body that is literally designed to work with this plant. And I think that in itself, right, is a testament to just how long uh, this kind of plant has been going on for. Yeah. And then my husband's been like pointing to all this research lately about how much like humans are not getting their dose of hemp because it used to be a big part of the animal feed and then we would get it from eating animals that were a lot healthier. And he's like, I don't know. That's like another one of ours, but. Oh, that's um, fascinating. Yeah. I haven't thought about that angle actually. I don't know. He keeps like, he's always showing me things on Facebook. He's like, Hey, you might want to interview these guys or check this out. And just like, he finds stuff. Uh, he's a news junkie. So, um, yeah, it's just huge. And I just feel like it's like they've been denying, like, and people are always telling me, cause like, I'm not a vegan, but like, uh, you know, uh, that hemp protein is so good for me. Eat hemp. Well, I can't afford to buy hemp and why can't my husband grow hemp? And like, we would like to feed our chickens hemp and like, you know, it's, it's just crazy. Totally. One of the that organizations that, that we're, uh, we're starting is the home growers association. Yes. Um, you know, I, I draw a lot of issues with some of the laws that have gone in place around cannabis cultivation. Like, I don't know if you're aware, but in Nevada, right, there's, you can't grow cannabis at home if you live within 25 miles of a dispensary, which in my mind is just a total travesty. And that's just manipulation of laws by the industry to, to you know, make more money, essentially. And, and even in Washington, um, you're not allowed to grow cannabis recreationally unless you have a medical card. Um, and, you know, the part of this plant is, you know, you should grow this seasonally with your tomatoes. Um, you know, I would love to yeah. see in 10 years time of, you know, someone's got their tomato plant and then they've got their hemp plant or their CBD plant or their THC plant um, just growing right next to it. People don't realize this, but in California, um, do you know who grows the most tomatoes? The hemp growers? The cannabis no, growers? No, just homeowners. 
Oh, oh, yeah, sure. They grow the most tomatoes, right? Oh. Well, you know, it's funny. Mike's mom was like the very first like person who ever taught him how to like create a clone because she just like she I don't know how she got a plant. And he's like she like just loved it and didn't even know what it was or was growing there and like taught him how to make a clone way back when he was like in his teens. Yeah, yeah. she grew that's, it in her backyard. That's it. Uh, that first cloning experience is always fun. See, and that was something, like, I don't know if I mentioned this, but, like, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about it is actually, like, I just feel like there does need to be a certain amount of regulation because because people are growing it and, and you don't know and people are buying it and, like, you hear all these things about edibles and people overdosing and, like, I just feel like there does need to be, but I also feel like, yeah, people should be able to grow it in their yard like a plant and, um, and it's not the easiest plant to grow. <laughs> You know, I would beg to differ on that point. I think that you can make it easy, right? I, I think people get a, a really lost in it, but ultimately it's called weed for a reason. And there's also probably a reason why it's called pot. And that was because it was always being grown in a pot. And there's a, I've got a whole blog on that. But, um, you know, w what we tried to do was create the right conditions for the plant. And really what it comes down to ultimately is having great soil and everything. If you've got a plant in the right soil, then all you need to do is add water and you shouldn't have to add any nutrients and everything else. And that's well, that is definitely the theme of my show, the soil. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, right? It's all in the soil. And it, so a large part of what we're trying to do is, A, make this really easy for people. Like our average customer, um, you know, they get about three ounces in 80 days, no matter what the time of year is. And how we've tried to make it simpler and kind of demystify this plant that is really easy to grow and don't get me wrong the only time it gets hard to grow is when you start scaling up right and then you're trying to produce you know a hundred thousand square feet of cannabis well that that's a lot harder than just trying to grow a couple plants in your backyard um at the couple plants in your backyard level you know you could really just throw it in the dirt and it would it would live um but you know so with us we just try to make it and have the soil correct everything else and you just add water and one of the different things we do is we try to educate people not only on the soil but also on a particular variety of cannabis that in my opinion doesn't get anywhere near enough press or credit um, which is auto flowering cannabis um, is kind of the street name of it and then the the, you know, the actual species name is ruderellus um, and really if you look at the cannabis species you can kind of divide it up and if you forget about indica and sativa and you just forget about everything you've learned of the cannabis plant and you look at it from a different perspective, which is, well, when does this plant flower? There's actually only two types of cannabis. There's the one that pretty much all commercial growers grow, which is photoperiod cannabis or, you know, and it flowers once a year in the fall. Right. And we're all quite familiar with that form of cannabis. If you're a cannabis gardener or you've grown it before and, that's why people have to grow it in tents indoors. So you have to have that 12 hour darkness to get the plant to generate all the hormones and everything. So it's like, okay, it's, it's time for me to start flowering. Um, then there's another variety of cannabis that is called the ruderellus uh, or auto flowering cannabis is commonly known. And that strain is, it, you know, it evolved basically. And I, I actually make the argument that it's probably the original strain of cannabis and through domestication, uh, we created photoperiod cannabis, but you know that plant is its algorithm is okay. I'm I'm alive. I'm above the ground. I need to start flowering right away and get my seeds or pollen out there before I die. 
Um, so that plant just flowers pretty much in 80 to 100 days from seed. Um, and one of the really cool things about Ruderellus, at least from a health perspective, is that it's, it's high in CBD and it's got THC. Um, so you can get 10%, 10% CBD, THC plants all day in Ruderellus. Um, but commercial growers don't want to grow the plant predominantly for the reason that you can't clone it. You have to start it from seed just because of the way the plant works. So you kind of lose a little bit of crop consistency, right? If you're trying to do like a hundred thousand square foot greenhouse and you got to do, you know, all these seeds and yada, yada, yada. Um, but if you're a hobbyist, then you just want to grow a couple plants and have a quick experience. And perhaps you don't want to grow like a 20 foot tall plant. You just want to grow a three to, you know, five, six foot plant. Then Ruderellus cannabis, you know, never exceeds six foot. That's uh, a huge Ruderellus plant. Um, typically they're in like the two to three foot range and, you know, you, you can kind of make the, the judge if you get like an ounce of a foot that it grows. Um, and those plants are just fantastic to grow. They're really fun. They're really easy. You don't need to keep them alive for like a whole year. They don't grow huge. Um, I have customers in San Francisco that grow them on their windowsill just for fun, right? And that's kind of what we try to do is reframe the cannabis plant as just a really fun house plant or, you know, a plant to enjoy. Okay, well, I totally love that. But see, you're living in California, and see, like, I'm here in a state where if you have a medical marijuana card, you can maybe grow eight plants total, you know, and there's, like, all these rules, and, like, that's where I feel like it's hard. And then the other thing I feel like is because people were forced indoors, that's where a lot more chemical. Like, I want to see what you want to see. Like, I want to see people just being able to grow it, just like I can grow totally. my tomatoes. Exactly. I want to like, see cover wanna... crops and, like, people yes. cutting, you know, fixing nitrogen and, like, learning. Like, when I tell people clover fixes nitrogen who don't know gardening, it's a mind blower. Like, you know, it's well, amazing. Well, that is a huge part. Like, th these are all things that have been talked about on my show a lot lately, and especially, like, cover cropping. And, like, so that's what she, that girl, that's the lead scientist there, which she's, like, a, you know, she's got a master's degree in botany. And she, they said that the results for using it as a cover crop are just, like, it's helping, you know, reduce the weed. She doesn't want to get too excited because they want to, like, it's only year two, so they don't know, like, could it just have been something else? But they, you know, they do have a test plot right <coughs> next to it that didn't have the hemp grown the same way and where they grew mm -hmm. the hemp there she's like it basically knocked the weeds out after two years and um it also oh, the, yeah. the crop Lifts was all the better heavy they metals. had a big rainy year yeah and it takes the heavy metals out of the soil and just uh because like what was it like so after they took the hemp out but then they grew like a soy crop for like sale the soy crop or the hemp crop was the year before you know where they were using the hemp as a trial like the next year when they had this big flood the soybean crop where the hemp was the soybean like they were able to you know salvage those soybeans hmm. whereas when yeah. they didn't have the hemp they ended up with like yeah but the only, drainage you know, was just way better yeah it was just huge so she's she's just so excited so cool so i'm so glad i'm talking to you after i just talked to her yeah nice timing yeah it is super timing let's see so i don't know what's next um where where are we on the list here the the best gardening advice before we get to the root of things, we're going to thank our sponsors and affiliate links. Do you want to learn how to improve the quality of your soil while maximizing crop yields? Do you want to learn how to create a small market garden that can feed 200 families and create a generous income? Have you ever wondered how to do manual labor that's 
pleasant, lucrative, and very much in keeping with a healthy lifestyle? Well, these are things that you'll learn if you get a copy of J.M. Fortier's awesome book, The Market Gardener, from Amazon. You can do that by simply going to our website at www.organicgardenerpodcast.com. Right on the homepage, there's a link to um, books that have been recommended on the Organic Gardener podcast. This book was first recommended by Joyce Pinson from Friends Drift In. Mike and I have read it several times. I interviewed Jean Martin Fortier, and he's just so wonderful. So you can get a copy of this book and support the Organic Gardener podcast at the same time by simply going to organicgardenerpodcast.com. Click on the recommended books page and you can order this book or any other book from Amazon or tools or anything you might like um, and support the Organic Gardener podcast. Thanks. Laying the foundation. Unlike a mixed border or showy flower bed that functions to provide a pretty and perfect display, a cutting garden's primary job is to produce a bounty of cut blooms all season long. While a cutting patch is beautiful in its own right, the flowers that fill there are to be harvested, not left on the plants for garden decoration. This can take some getting used to because as gardeners, we've been conditioned to resist the urge to clip from our blooming plants and instead leave them to put on a show outdoors. But once you experience the pleasure of harvesting armloads of flowers right outside your door, your approach to growing them will quickly change. This is the introduction to Aaron Bazinkian's Floret Farms Cut Flower Garden book, Grow, Harvest, and Arrange Stunning Seasonal Blooms. And you can get this or any other book that's been recommended on our show by going to theorganicgardenerpodcast.com, just www.organicgardenerpodcast.com, click on the recommended books, and not only will it take you to, you can pick out any of the books that have been recommended, but they'll all link to Amazon and we will get just a tiny little something, but it sure would help support the show. And now let's get to the root of things. Well, hey, let's go back a step. So if we're getting to the root of things, then do you have like a least favorite activity to do in the garden? Something you got to force yourself to get out there and do? Uh, you know... My gardening, when, a, when, when I'm growing cannabis, I think one of the most frustrating activities is, and something that people don't appreciate is, is the trimming of the plant and, you know, pruning the leaves. And then when you harvest it, you know, there's almost like, uh, I think it's about 30 to 25 cuts uh, per gram of cannabis to get it fully trimmed down just to, just to the flower. Uh, and I think that's probably the the most mundane part of growing the plant is, uh, it's out on the desktop, uh, sorry, um, is, uh, yeah, so one of the most mundane parts about growing the plant is, is the trimming aspect where, you know, you sit there with a pair of scissors and you make snip off the snip, off the snip, off the snip, off the snip. And it's all uh, sticky and, eventually, and your scissors it's all, sticky. it's all sticky, yeah, and it's your just kind of one of those. Sticky. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the only blessing about it is that hopefully you can consume a little bit while you do it. Um, but that is, uh, you know, just within the industry, it's one of the more challenging jobs. I can definitely say that I've trimmed my fair share of pounds and uh, it is, it's mundane. Uh, so on the flip side, what's your favorite activity to do in the garden? Um, 
You know, I, I, you know, I think my favorite activity is kind of playing with the plants in terms of altering their growth pattern and just sort of training them a little bit. You know, when I've, I've actually got like one plant that's just a regular plant and I've kept it in a vegetative state now for almost 300 days and it's sort of I've trained it and it's got like this weird twisted bonsai pattern and um, you know, you can do a lot just sort of pinching the stems and you know, getting the plant to slow down one shoot so another one catches up and, you know, topping it here or thinning it there. And that, that's a really fun part of growing because then you kind of get to like shape your plant as it grows. And it's a very sort of uh, rewarding thing that takes, it takes a nice amount of time, but you get to see the results quickly enough. Nice. How about, uh, what's the best gardening advice you have ever received? Oh, don't overwater your plants. <laughs> I think that, uh, that that's definitely the, the number one uh, customer thing we get. But, you know, plants don't need that much water. And it, obviously, it's species dependent. But uh, I think people have a tendency to overwater their plants. Oh, my God. My um, listeners are like, this is the plant for Jackie. Just another reason. Because I'm always like, my plants are dying. Mike's always like, water, water. Like, watering <laughs> my plants is like my hardest thing. And we That's live in funny. a very dry area. That's so oh classic. So what is your favorite tool to use? Like if you had to move and can only take one tool with you, what could you not live without? Oh, my phone. Does that count? Sure. <laughs> it's the Star Trek transponder nowadays, right? Yeah. <laughs> you find out any plant species, you know, where anything needs to grow with it. <laughs> I'm still curious to know what's your week. Did you say you do it? It's in between your weekly phone call to Amsterdam. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're, we're, we haven't even been selling the product for a full year yet. And we're, um, so this year is kind of our, our growth year. Last year was really like just testing the product and our customer results and getting the data back. And this year we've got a, it's actually somewhere in the Pacific ocean right now, but we've got a container full of new inventory that's coming. Um, and we've got 10,000 units that we're looking to, uh, give out over what well, we're giving away a thousand units that we're trying to get, uh, 10,000 product testers on board. Um, we know the product works. We're just kind of calling them product testers, uh, to grow one ton of tax-free cannabis. So we work with, I love growing marijuana.com who is based in the Netherlands and they do the seed fulfillment for us. Um, so they also help us with re-ramping the website and everything else. They're kind of our strategic partners at this point. Um, so my week honestly involves, uh, 12 to 14 hour days right now, but, uh, I love it. And I've been waiting for the opportunity to be able to do something like this. So, uh, definitely not complaining there because we get a, a lot of satisfaction from customers who are just thrilled of, you know, their results and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really fun project to be working on. And kind of our tagline for this year is uh, help us grow one ton of tax-free cannabis um, by being, you know, part of this 10,000 growing uh, army that we're sort of creating here. So, yeah, we so have a, a lot of old rolling. If they want to become one of those people, how do they find out about, can they apply? Or um, yeah, so. Or how does that work? Yeah, so the program's launching here in a couple of weeks. Uh, if you go to our landing page right now, just at potpropot.com and sign up for the email address, uh, the email will give you an email when the program launches. Um, but essentially, we're gathering a little bit of data because 
the thousand kits that we give away, we're, we're really trying to target that to, you know, veterans, uh, opioid addicts, and just, you know, generally people who are in need, as opposed to, you know, just an open competition. Um, so it's sort of, you know, every hundred kits we sell, we can basically afford to give one away because um, we're in startup mode and we're a, <laughs> we're, we're a scrappy little bootstrapping company here. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, so they go to the website and sign up for our newsletter. And in just after 420 is when we'll be officially launching the program as that's kind of getting into the time to plant cannabis outdoors. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're releasing two new versions of the kit this year. Um, well, tell me about one... the kit. I know about the kit because I've been your website. Oh, yeah, 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 of is. course. Go yeah, ahead, so it's, um, you know, what, what we wanted to do was just empower people to grow their own affordably and simply. So, you know, we make the soil in-house, and that's really the secret sauce. Um, you know, we blend 18 different ingredients and cook it and get the soil to the point to where it's ready for the plant. Um, but the kit basically comes with, you know, a, a fabric pot, which is great for growing cannabis in because it breathes. Um, the roots like a lot of oxygen while the leaves like carbon dioxide uh, and it also prevents people from uh, overwatering it as well uh, and then saucer it comes with a seedling kit scissors watering can spray bottle uh, neem oil for the leaves um, some diatomaceous earth for the root zone uh, the new version we're coming out with also comes with a um, smartphone camera lens that's a macro so you can get close up on the leaves um, and a few stickers and a grow guide. Um, and then a coupon to where you can go to ilovegrowingmarijuana.com and get a discount on your seeds. Uh, we obviously can't provide the seeds because that's how we kind of are able to ship worldwide at this point. And Len lives in the Netherlands. And he okay, because you know, I'm sitting here wondering like how, like, people probably are wondering, can I grow this plant? Like just be, it's because it's considered hemp. Can anybody grow it anywhere in the United States or what, what's the scoop there? As far as I'm concerned, you know, we, we just sell, you know, the, the tools you need. So we ship everywhere um, simply because we can, there's no THC contained in our product. Um, you know, we just provide you with all the tools and everything else. Um, so provided that you are willing to grow and you have a desire to grow cannabis, you know, we will send you a kit. We've sent them all over the world at this point and to some surprising countries <laughs> that I, I don't think I'll say publicly, but, um, yeah, so we ship worldwide and lives in the Netherlands where the laws permit him to ship seeds as well. Um, so yeah, I love growing marijuana, um, you know, is able to uh, send seeds to wherever they need to. Um, is it the Rick Simpson oil? Yeah, that's one of the best. The Rick Simpson oil is, you know, at this stage, the medical benefits of cannabis are just remarkable. I mean, I've met cancer survivors who have helped treat themselves with cannabis um, and have you know, crushed cancer before. And not that it's necessarily attributed wholly to the plant. And, you know, I, I wouldn't like to say that for sure, but they definitely regard it as a, a central part of their method to overcoming the illness. And yeah, I, I think that over the next 10, 20 years time, we're going to see 
a whole revolution with the medical aspect of this plant from a from a, a level of medicine that's really really sophisticated all, all the way down to analyzing people's you know dna and finding out you know their plant-based medicine and hopefully cannabis will be a large part of that yeah and then on top of that my mom and all her little tennis group of friends or something i guess are like buying all this cbd oil because it's like getting rid of their brown spots and like reducing their oh, wrinkles and i'm just like I, are you I serious love like that. you don't know how much like, they laughed at me in 1993 when i was like i'm gonna start a hemp business like you have like no idea like every time i see a hemp product in the store i'm just like oh my god like people just like, i don't know if you heard that cvs is starting to stock yes, cbd products i have heard and, i have heard i'm just like and, oh my gosh i mean i'm glad I mean, I'm super glad, but just like, you don't know how many people have mocked me in my life for thinking that hemp was going to do anything good for the planet. <laughs> oh, those guys are, they're eating their words right now. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, I think that the blessing of the cannabis plant and the reason it's able to sort of come out of the shadows is, you know, if you look at the evolution of, of the plant over the last few years, it's really, really, the reason it's recreational is because we had this awesome medical program in California and you know, and that kind of made this recreational thing, which really isn't that awesome, frankly. Um, but again, if you look at the cannabis plan, it's kind of now main, the, like the mainstream media and the general public are really just running with CBD. And it's funny because people still think that that's kind of like a different plant, but it's really not. It's, it's, I view it as you have, you know, the, the same rose. It's just one is pink and one is red and one is white. And if you look at how the plant has been bred, right, it's it's really been polarized and to the degree of, well, governments and regulators and everything have forced the plant to, you know, the cannabis sativa L designation, you know, where it's under 0.02% or 3%, I believe, um, THC. And it's kind of, and then you have the other side of the breeders who have like grabbed onto the plant and they're like, no, we need as much profit for this illegal thing as possible. And and they've bred it up all the way to, you know, this really high THC plant. But the fact of the matter is, is that hemp or CBD and high THC, low THC, it's the exact same plant. I think people confuse themselves when they think of hemp and they think of like these tall, skinny trees, right, that are grown in these in almost like uh, cornfields or uh, sugarcane. The only reason that plant is grown like that is because they plant the, the clones or the transplant one, one inch apart. If you were to take that same plant and plant it with space to grow, it would grow and it would look like any other cannabis plant and it would be a large bushy plant with big buds on it. Um, you know, there's like this belief that like hemp doesn't flower on it. Hemp flowers like it looks exactly like a weed flower uh, or a cannabis flower, an indica flower, whatever it is. It's just the same thing. It's amazing the difference it makes to people. And th there's a flip side of this too, right? Is I like to pull people's legs who who are the naysayers, right? And I always enjoy meeting someone who you know, doesn't smoke cannabis or they love alcohol or, you know, they kind of have their own vice or whatever it is and or they just have their prejudgments on it. Um, but I think there's almost the argument that you can make that you may not be fully healthy if you're not consuming some form of CBD because you haven't activated this whole cannabinoid network that works with your nervous system. Um, you know, and there's, there's that aspect of it where it's like, it's almost like it's so absurd to me that the government regulates this and prevents people from getting healthy at yeah. this time in age. You know, it's, this isn't like this. It's just so 
well documented and studied and you know it is still a drug and it does need regulation right like yeah you know, because then, that... then you have all these people growing it that you know are just trying to get the biggest buds with the highest potency tc like that's really where this like like i think it's just way too potent a lot of times anymore you know compared oh to, yeah like, mexican and that that's like i said it's... the border you know you could smoke 20 of those joints in a day and be fine and now pot you can barely smoke a joint and you're like whoa yeah. what was that and you know it's funny like if you've watched Why narcos i'm 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 pretty sure that was Ruderellis they were smuggling over back in the day because they could run three crops outdoors in a year. Right? Like that's the amazing thing about Ruderellis is you can run it three times in one outdoor season as traditional cannabis, so you can only do it once. And like there's that whole middle ground what's just missing of like a balanced cannabis plant, you know, where it's healthy for you to smoke and it calms your THCs and it's got the C B D for your nervous system and it's got the THC for your mind. And one of my favorite little things is back to the person who, who never consumes or naysays it is, and they're like, well, don't you forget a lot of stuff? Frankly, I think that's one of the blessings of cannabis because there's so much stuff that I just don't want to remember. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm perfectly capable to keep my to-do list and everything and the things I need to remember getting done, but I don't need to remember the conversation of the person behind me in the shopping line. You know, and I think that's one of the best things about it is it's kind of like a little memory refresher of getting rid of the stuff you don't necessarily want to keep. Well, yeah, it makes you focus. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's awesome the way as well that nowadays because the, the stigma is going away. Of, and if you've ever been to a dispensary in, in you know San Francisco or anywhere and you just look at the people that walk in there, I mean, it's it's all walks and professions of life you know, from the most successful, the most dedicated, the most hardworking to the laziest. And, you know, cannabis just has a bad hangover from the reefer madness days and, and all the misinformation that was kind of ingrained into society. And, you know, when, when governments decide that something's bad, it's quite easy to train a population over a period of time that it is. And I think that, uh, yeah, in 30 years time, you know, recently when I was in Amsterdam, just by coincidence, we stayed in the Tavros Plant Hotel um in a small little village and we uh were there and i was looking at the wall and i was like what are all these pictures of plants doing on the wall like and i went up and i looked at it and, it and it turned out that it was actually the tobacco hotel was the translation and i promised that one day the the cannabis and the cbd and the hemp and all the derivative products that you can make from this um, from plastics to the graphene that they're discovering today and everything everything else that you can apply this plant for in the same way you can corn and you know people a lot of people nowadays realize that corn is in almost everything from packaging to sugar and everything else um you can utilize the the hemp or cannabis plant in the exact same way um and i think that this the, as a movement and as an industry in in 20 and 30 years time it's, it's going to be humongous well, let me tell you, it is taking a long time, and I'm hopeful. I hope it happens in my lifetime. Uh, yeah, me too. So, Joshua, what's your favorite, like, do you have a favorite hemp recipe or, like, a favorite recipe? It doesn't even have to be. It could be, like, any recipe yeah. in the garden. What do you like to eat? You know, no, I'm, I'm going to stick with the theme. Um, you know, I think a, one of the parts of the plant that people don't utilize enough is the leaves. Um, so if you're into juicing or making protein smoothies or anything like that, um, I mean, uh, I listened to a talk a few years ago at the Emerald Cup and 
my mind was blown with the number of micronutrients, amino acids um, that are contained in the leaves. It's, it's something like five or 10x the potency of wheatgrass and the actual health benefits that you can get from fresh cannabis leaves. A lot of those break down really quickly, so you do need to consume them pretty freshly off of the plant. Um, it also contains CBD, and then it contains THCA, which is a non-psychoactive component of the plant, which helps with inflammation and, and reduces swelling. Um, so I always encourage people that it's, it's also actually quite a tasty leaf. It's, you, know, you can put it in salads and stuff like that. I just go with juicing right off the back because it's often the most convenient. But um, yeah, with the leaves are an amazing resource uh, for health and protein and, and all the reasons that people juice fresh stuff. Cool. I like that. How about um, a favorite internet resource? Where do you like to surf on the web? Um, you know, I spend all my, all my, my web time is the BBC. That's my resource. <laughs> if it's not work related, uh, I, I love the BBC. It's a hangover from being English or raised there. And um, I just enjoy the news and the articles that they share and, and the perspective. Um, but uh Otherwise, it's uh, it's probably building my website at this point. Sure, I can totally relate to that. But you do have a really sharp-looking website. Uh, what was I gonna ask? Do you ever listen to? Do you listen to uh, Shay Gunther with the Marijuana Today Daily or the Marijuana? Uh, yeah, Today I've podcast? listened. I've listened to them a couple times. Yeah, I I like that show a lot. Have you read? There's a book called Safer, which is like written by like a I don't know a cop or somebody about the difference between marijuana and alcohol. Have you ever heard of um, that? It's really good. I'll send you the you link. No, I haven't, but I can tell you that one of our investors is a senior San Jose police officer, um, or at least was, um, which is really cool for me because I think it's just kind of one of those those Easter eggs and, you know, we're very bootstrapped. And he was just kind of passionate about the idea and, uh, and helped us out. And uh, yeah, I think the, the law enforcement is also kind of behind this movement. They see it as a, as a waste of time and resources. Yeah, and also, like, who wants to go deal with, like, a bunch of people who have been drinking after a hockey game compared to... That's the the beginning of that book. starts out, like, down in Brazil or somewhere, like, at the World Cup soccer match. And it talks about, like, the difference in the crowds. Uh, how about... So what about a favorite, like, a reading material or magazine or anything you can recommend to listeners? Um, you know, I think the, the blog, if you, if you want to learn about how to grow cannabis... Um, We've got a great blog, but a, a much larger resource is ilovegrowingmarijuana.com. Um, it's all free. You get a whole grow Bible you can download there. Um, we'll be releasing a, a I'm coming out with a book that's how to grow cannabis as a house plant. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a phenomenal resource on just gathering general information on everything you need to know about growing and cultivating cannabis. Cool. Uh... Do you have any kind of any kind of a business advice or anything for listeners? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a, um, I definitely do within the cannabis space. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of people right now in the in the industry or looking at getting into the industry, um, and I encourage uh, you to do it. Right? I mean, there's a, we're still very much so at the beginning of this movement and, and this new thing that's starting. And, you know, now's the time that if you're like, oh, hey, like, you know, I, I should, I've got this idea or, you know, I want to do this or that. Um, I would just say start it today because in 
10 years time or five years time or two years time, it's just going to get more and more difficult. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a space that the bar is pretty low right now and it's really easy to, to perform and, and just sort of grow, grow a business. Um, it comes with its hurdles and everything else, but um, that's part of being at the, the start of a, a movement. Uh, awesome. Okay, well, here's my final question. Ready? Ready. If there's one change you would like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity organization you're passionate about or project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally? Yeah, I got it. I got an answer for you. Um, the fish. <laughs> I think that um, you know the fish are probably the easiest species for us to forget about because they're so alien um, and they're weird and they live in a place that we can't inhabit. Um, you know, there's some great you know California wild trout and organizations for, for salmon and steelhead in California that uh, we support. But really, uh, I think that in years to come, people will understand that, A, I, I truly believe that fish have feelings. Um, we know that lobsters do, they express stress and you know, cortisol levels like humans do. And um, yeah, I, I feel like they don't, they don't get anywhere enough credit or, or protection. And far, farm fish is often a uh, just dreadful practice for the environment. Um, and, you know, tuna is probably not going to be on the menu in any real shape or form in the next 10, 20 years. And um, that's a fish that is almost impossible at this point to breed indoors or, or you know, breed outside of the wild. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the, the, the fish and protecting, you know, that comes with the oceans and the rivers and everything else. But uh, really, the end goal is, you know, keeping those species alive and healthy and and available for people to go out and enjoy as a resource and go catch fish and get outside in the wild and stuff like that. I think a lot less kids would be playing computer games and getting into trouble in California uh, if the fishing was a little bit better. That's a great point. Uh, how about an inspirational tip or quote to help motivate listeners to reach into the dirt and start? All right. Well, wait, what I was thinking was that, um, like if they don't get in that list of like the first 10,000, whatever, like they can still buy a kit, right? Like you have kits oh, for yeah. sale. We didn't talk about that. Yeah. Well, just talk about that really quick. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you, if, um, the, you know, the first 10,000 testers, if you don't want to wait for that, or you just want to get a kit now, um, we have got them available. We're, uh, when this podcast goes live around 420, we'll have our new inventory, uh, released and we're doing a couple of improvements and stuff like that um so yeah go to www.popperapot.com and um yeah it's one of the funnest plants to grow for sure okay and i'm just going to spell that out so it's a p o t pot f o r p o t a p o t f o r p o t dot com for people i always like to spell it out because especially on my podcast you never know i mean hopefully uh just easier so and i make pretty yeah. good show notes usually and like i'm even trying figuring out how to like put it so like they don't even have to go to the organic order podcast they can go right to your link from the show notes so but itunes who knows they're changing all these things people are like in a panic what if i have they sent out this thing about no numbers and the titles anymore i don't know 
Anyway, you are super busy. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. And someday, I hope we can meet up at the Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When and Mike uh, wins. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And I, I really appreciate what you do and uh, the information that you share. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to meet you in person. Oh, thanks. Well, yeah. Well, and thanks for what you do and change, helping change in our world. That's why you're a rock star millennial. So. Uh, you're, you're the best. Do you love to listen to audio as much as I do? Have you ever tried an audio book? As a fan of this podcast, you must already enjoy listening to stories just like the other green future growers. Well, the Organic Gardener podcast has teamed up with Audible to offer you a free audio book. Just go to www.organicgardenerpodcast forward slash book or type book into the search bar at theorganicgardenerpodcast.com and you can get listening to your first audio book today. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon for just $26.95. And it's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own organic oasis. Um, it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just um all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden. And just, um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey, uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis, um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for mother earth. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.